Hi, everybody. I'm Hub, and this is Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would probably benefit from a tagline. I hope you're enjoying this fine January morning. I kind of am. I must admit I went from having nothing to talk about on this intro to having a whole lot of nothing to talk about on this intro. Thanks, coffee. Firstly, and most importantly, I would like to point out that today represents a bit of an anniversary for me. Facebook informed me that it is five years ago today that I made my favorite joke ever. I'm pretty sure I've done it on the podcast before. I know I've done it on Twitter, and I keep trying to restart it on uh, social, different social media platforms and never really takes off, but here it is. Hey, have you heard about the new TV show where a magical barrel maker narrates executions? It's called Hangings with Mystic Cooper. Boom! Slam motherfucking dunk. Now, the reason I think this joke has never really taken off to the degree I would like it to is because it requires the listener to A, have a font nostalgia for the sitcom Hangin' with Mr. Cooper, starring Mark Curry, and two, to be enough of a nerd to know that barrel makers are called Coopers, and C, to like puns. So basically, the Venn diagram for this joke is sitting in this chair right now, recording a podcast. It's a beautiful joke, it's an elegant joke, and I love it very much. Joke, I can't believe it's been five years that we've been together. You make me so happy. And I'm just going to keep making you for as long as I live. Joke, you're the, you're the best thing I've ever done. I love you so much. So as I was preparing to record this podcast, I was listening to Girlfriend in a Coma by the Smiths, for reasons that will become apparent later. And I had never realized how much the intro to that song sounds like it's going to turn into Dolly Parton's 9 to 5. Man, I love Dolly Parton. That woman is a national treasure. I'm pretty sure there's a map to her house on the back of the Constitution. She's wonderful. And so I was listening to 9 to 5 and thinking about how much I like Dolly Parton. And that reminded me of how much I also like Queen Latifah. It's actually one of the first concerts I ever saw. So when I was maybe in a slightly altered state, um, by which I mean drunk, not that I was turning into some kind of a magical werewolf due to a sense deprivation tank, like in that movie... It's a good movie. Can't remember if it's William Hurt or John Hurt, but one of the Hurt boys was in that. And yeah, it's a good movie. But I was a little tipsy, and uh, Netflix suggested that I watch a movie called A Joyful Noise. And I was like, yeah, I like Queen Latifah. I like Dolly Parton. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, that movie's not pretty good. It's pretty terrible. Really, really bad. But I would say maybe a full third of the movie is just reaction shots of Queen Latifah looking begrudgingly delighted at the music she's hearing. And I would watch that if the whole movie was just reaction shots of Queen Latifah looking begrudgingly delighted. I would watch that movie and I would love it. Oh, is that all the nonsense I had in my brain right now? Not even close, but it's all I'm going to clear out in this intro. So without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Fred Groves. Here we go. Bubblegum placenta, I know, I know, it's hideous. Bubblegum placenta, I know, I know, it's truly hideous. 
Villains can't escape that molasses kiss, but you know I'd hate it if anyone missed this synopsis. Thanks, Fred. Man, from listening to that, you would not believe that I had listened to Girlfriend in a Coma several times right before recording it. Immediately forgot how that part goes. It is fun to sing like Morrissey, though, even if you're terrible at it. One of my favorite things to do is, I I may have talked about this before, if so, apologies, but, eh, indulge me. Or don't indulge me, you can just mash that 15-second forward button over this part. One of my favorite things to do is to sing public enemy lyrics in the style of Morrissey, and it goes a little something like this. Base, how low can you go? Death row where a brother knows. Back again is the incredible, untenable rhyme animal. Do-do-do-do. The public enemy number one. Five oh said freeze and I got numb. Cause I haven't got a gun anymore. Anyway, that's a that, that's that's a fun thing to do. You you can do that. Mm, enough of this malarkey. Let's get into some different malarkey. How about some Teen Titans related malarkey? Teen Titans number six. April nineteen eighty one. Last kill. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drotted by George Perez, with inks by Pablo Marcos. New Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin. Wonder Girl. Kid Flash. Beast Boy. Cyborg. Raven. Starfire. Previously in New Teen Titans. Raven's dad, Trigon, is a real piece of shit. Also, he has antlers. Also, he's from another dimension where he rules a million million planets, but he has just figured out a way to get into our dimension, and now he wants to rule that too. Bummer. The Titans tried to stop him, but he beat them up real good. Raven asked her mom and the other priests from Azeroth, the prog rock album cover where she grew up, for help, but they said no. Bummer. Then Trigon beat up the Titans again. Raven told him to knock it off and that if he would agree to leave the Earth alone, then she would go back to his shitty dimension with him and help him rule the million million planets there by his side. Trigon accepted her offer and off they went, leaving a confused and demoralized team of Titans in their wake. Gad Zooks! Is the Earth finally safe? Is there a more concise way to say a million million? Will Trigon get his act together and learn how to be the father that Raven needs, the way he would if this were an 80s sitcom? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, not by a long shot. In the US, it's a trillion. In the UK, it was a billion, and what the US called a billion, 1,000 million, was called a milliard, until 1974 when Prime Minister Harold Wilson ruled that the government would only use the word billion to refer to 1,000 million, the way Americans do, in order to avoid confusion, which is kind of a shame because I'm a fan of the word milliard. And, good lord, no, he doesn't. Not even a little bit. But I would totally watch that sitcom. Alright, done uh, mashing the 15 seconds back button to figure out what corresponds to what? Very good. Trigon takes Raven back to one of the thousand milliard planets that he rules. His guards have ordered everyone to cheer for Trigon and greet him as he arrives. A little girl who is seeing Trigon for the first time notes, not incorrectly, that the four-eyed antlered Trigon looks like a monster. So, Trigon melts her face. What the fuck? She was like four! Raven is understandably freaked out and rushes to the child's aid, using her empathic powers to absorb the girl's pain and heal her wounds. Whew. Then Trigon disintegrates the child. What the fuck? The antlered asshole leads a traumatized Raven on tour of his castle, uses a giant laser to blow up a planet that's been giving him static, and generally explains that he's evil. Yeah, kinda got that from the casual toddler murder. Then he tells Raven that even though he promised not to, he's still totally going to blow up the Earth. What an asshole. 
Back on Azeroth, the Titans are still reeling from the smackdown they received at the hands of the aforementioned antlered asshole. They start fighting amongst themselves because Starfire and Wally think the Azerathians should be blasted with starbolts for being pacifists, whereas the rest of the team think that the Azerathians should just be yelled at for being pacifists. Hmm. They both make such good points. Raven's mom, Arella, thinks she can help settle the debate by telling the team her backstory. Okay, worth a shot. Arella's story is kind of a mashup between Rosemary's Baby and a Jack Chick tract. Basically, she was a wayward teen who got mixed up in witchcraft, joined a satanic cult, and took part in a ceremony in which she offered herself up as a bride of Satan. After the ceremony, Trigon showed up to claim her as his bride, only he was human-looking and totally hot and was super nice to her. She fell in love with him. Then, after a couple of days with no apparent provocation, he was like, Just kidding. I'm a giant red four-eyed monster with deer antlers. Also, I'm a total jerk and I'm crazy abusive. He savagely abused his new wife and then scrammed back to his own dimension. Arella was devastated. She tried to get counseling, but to no avail. Feeling that she had no other option, she was about to commit suicide in an alleyway, when, out of nowhere, some Azerathians teleported in and asked if she wanted to come live on an Asia album cover with them. She said sure. Nine months later, she gave birth to Raven. Raven never totally fit in on Azeroth, and eventually she left to help found the new Teen Titans. Okay, well... Thank you for sharing that largely irrelevant story, Arella. Doesn't really make the point I think you were hoping it would. Or, you know, any point at all. The Titans ask if the Azerathians will at least show them how to get to Trigon's dimension. They grudgingly agree. To everyone's surprise, Arella offers to join them and act as their guide, even though once she leaves, she will be banished from Azeroth forever. Arella leads the Titans out a secret doorway that takes them into an M.C. Escher painting. I guess the strange counterintuitive escalator they find themselves on will lead them to Trigon's homeworld. Hooray! Wally scouts ahead a little bit and runs smack into Trigon, who is out walking Fang, his giant space marmaduke. Turns out the junior wizard of Wiz has a mild phobia of elephant-sized man-eating cosmic dogs. Weird. Probably had a bad experience as a kid-kid flash. Before long, the rest of the gang catches up with Wally and they confront Trigon as a team while Arala goes off to free Raven. Robin gives a little speech about how the last time they fought, Trigon just caught the Titans off guard, but this time they're ready for him, and this time they know what they're fighting for. The Earth! Wow. Stirring stuff. As soon as the Boy Wonder finishes his moving speech, Trigon smacks the shit out of the whole team in a single panel and locks him in prison. Damn, Trigon! It's kind of like that scene in Deep Blue Sea where, right after Samuel L. Jackson finishes giving his great speech, a giant super-intelligent shark eats him. Man. I love that movie. You guys should watch Deep Blue Sea. It's a great LL Cool J rap at the end. After the Titans are KO'd, Trigon is informed that Raven has escaped from her cell. So, Fang eats the guards that were on duty. Aw, he thinks he's people. Trigon goes looking for his missing daughter. That's sweet. His search plan is to blow up everything on the planet until Raven jumps out. Huh, yeah, I guess that's on brand. I probably would have just made some flyers, but you can't argue with results, because after a few minutes of murderous destruction, Raven and Norella pop out and tell him to knock it off. Trigon then tries to kill his daughter and ex-wife. Boo! Arella decides that this is as good a time as any to break her vow of pacifism and uses some pretty serious magic to thwart her antlered antagonist. Hooray! Raven runs off to free her teammates. She finds them trussed up in a cell and uses a lockpick from Robin's utility belt to release the other titans. The newly liberated young heroes rush forth to once again confront the despotic deer-headed demon. Because it went so well the last several times they tried that. Well, 
Turns out fourth time is the charm, and this time the gang actually has a plan that is more complicated than let's get him. Beast Boy turns into a Triceratops and holds Fang the Space Marmaduke at bay. Arella and Raven use their mystical nonsense to drain Trigon's energy while Wonder Girl uses her magic lasso to do likewise. Meanwhile, Starfire channels her Starbolts through Cyborg's circuitry to magnify their power. Kid Flash starts spinning crazy fast at a vibration that rips a dimensional rift open into a place called the Netherverse. Sounds like a fun place. At just the right moment, Cyborg and Starfire release their blasts, which shoves Trigon through the newly rent space hole. Hooray! Trigon is Trigon! Eh? Good times for everybody. Well, almost everybody. Because right after the megacidal uber-douche plummets into the whatever-the-hell-the-netherverse is, Arella jumps in after him. And then the portal seals after her. Bummer. Turns out Arella knew that if he was left in there alone, Trigon would be able to eventually figure out a way get home and fuck everything up again. So she decided to jump in there with him and dedicate the rest of her life to thwarting him. Damn, she went from vowing never to fight to vowing always to fight. Looks like somebody's finally putting the fist back in pacifist. Oh, and also Beast Boy knocked out the giant space Marmaduke. Hooray! And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Cory. Cory, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. So, what'd you think? The artwork in this thing is awesome. It is. There was some inconsistency with the art, which I tend to blame on guest inker Pablo Marcos, who has reared his head in uh, Teen Titans comics before. You may remember him as having drawn the worst issue of the Teen Titans ever. Oh, that guy. So there was a couple spots where the faces of people in this were pretty mm-hmm. jacked up. Yeah. I kind of overlooked those because the rest of it was, was Yeah, no, awesome. overall the artwork is amazing, but the faces seemed a little bit off sometimes. And also Trigon's second set of eyeballs was kind of inconsistently emphasized, I felt like. Like sometimes it looked weird. I thought that they were doing that on purpose. So like when he was doing his death stare or whatever... His sec- that all that bad shit comes from the upper set of eyeballs. Yeah, no, and, and when it was emphasized, then I thought it was done much better. But there were just like some casual shots of of Trigon, you know, like where he's wearing his cable knit sweater and looking at his watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't actually happen. I was just making okay. Casual was shots of Trigon. <laughs> I was giving um, a quizzical look for those of you right out there. But no, there were some some more casual, like just kind of basic shots of Trigon where he would be talking, and he had an inconsistently drawn forehead. But you're right, overall the artwork is stunning, and when it counts, it is great. And also, I gotta say, I don't know, how how did you feel about the story in general? It was pretty wordy. It was really wordy, and the sort of getting back to that morality thing of pacifism sucks, like, it was pretty heavy-handed. That was fairly heavy-handed, at least for the most part. Yeah, no, it really was. But also, Trigon is a dick. Oh, Trigon's a fucking asshole. I hate Trigon now. He's pretty much the worst. And I was fine with him as, like, a casual world-eater type dude. Like, when he was just, like, kind of a fun Doctor Doom-style, like, world-menacing dick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, no, you see him in his full glory. He is horrifying. He's a really... Frankly, for the most part, well-fleshed-out character. I do have some qualms with how he is portrayed. But, uh, yeah, honestly, I thought this was a really good issue. 
I think I liked it maybe a little bit more than you did. I, I actually found it to be a pretty satisfying story for like wrap up of the first story arc. Like it really seemed to put a button on it. And I felt like uh, it's so easy to make something like this anticlimactic. And to me, I, I felt like it was earned and, and I felt like it worked pretty well. I feel it also helped me appreciate more Raven's character who I've been mostly just annoyed with the the whole rest of the stuff leading up to this. Yeah. I was like, okay, things were pretty screwed up and your mom, she did this big sacrifice and then, you know, you guys are okay. Yeah, we can get back, and I do want to get back to that later, but uh, speaking of bad moms, that mom on Trigon's planet is a bad mom. Like, it it is definitely establishes Trigon as a total dick. (laughs) What did she do wrong? Okay, how about this? Here's the situation. Uh Uh-huh. Your parents go away for a week's vacation. No. <laughs> Someday I will be able to use the phrase, here's a situation, without thinking of that whole rap. But today is not that day. That's maybe not going to happen. So, Trigon's having a big parade where he's coming down to this planet and just being like, hey, I'm great. You guys suck. You all have to pay tribute to me. Mm-hmm. Trigon looks like Trigon looks. Mm-hmm. He's got big deer antlers. Super menacing dude. Mm-hmm. He's a scary space demon mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Mom... Brings her, what, three-year-old daughter, would you say? Four-year-old? Yeah, four. Yeah. She takes one look at Trigon and is like, Mommy, that's Trigon? He's a monster. Mm -hmm. They don't have fucking pictures on your planet? You couldn't describe the guy to you before Trigon shows up? And you bring her to the rally? Oh, I see. That is, that's irresponsible. I mean, yes, obviously, Trigon reacts horribly. But predictably for Trigon. And it really does establish his character as, like, the worst dude ever. And that's part of what makes it so satisfying when he gets the shit kicked out of him at the end and gets to tumble through a dimension. I feel the need to defend the little girl's mom here, so you're making some assumptions. Okay. What if there's no pictures of Trigon on this planet and she's never seen him before and she was going about her daily work? taking care of the kid and whatnot, and then everybody, and then those those Viking hat dudes were like, you have to go to this parade right now. And she's like, oh, parades are cool. And then... I don't think that's... I, I think that Trigon is... If nothing else, we, we see that Trigon thinks a lot of himself. I don't think there are no images of Trigon all over the place. Houses. <laughs> Absolutely. And we can come back to this, but you said the dude's in the Viking helmets. Those Viking helmets have four horns, which I think is also a homage to Trigon and a sign that he does want his visage known everywhere. And I bet he's the type of dude there's statues to him everywhere. Mm. Or maybe he's just even more extreme that's like, you guys can't even capture me in an image, so don't try. Like he sees a picture of himself and he's like, I don't look like that, I look much better. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I kind of do will, that I with will, pictures I will too. kill all of you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not going to kill everybody, but... Well, you're no Trigon. Well, that's true, but I, I will say that photos do not do me justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and, if I'm taking my kid to a parade, <laughs> you show up. And I'm like, not going to kill your kid. Okay. <laughs> the kid's going to be like, is that a monster? I'm like, no, that's your uncle. Hub. <laughs> you don't look like a monster, though. I know, so it's just all a moot point. I'm saying, uh, all right. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I think she was a bad mom. I think that she really should have either warned her her kid that Trigon looks scary, but pretend he looks great. Yeah, it's good advice. Like, just... For life, really. Yeah, yeah, really. Just every stage of your life, pretend Trigon looks great if he's around. Yeah. Or anybody. Just like, honestly, 
Especially scary-looking people. Especially scary-looking people, because generally not their fault, and most of them aren't going to try to kill you like Trigon does. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, make make your kids say, like, yeah, be nice to people. Don't comment on other people's appearances. Mm -hmm. Especially make negative comments about them. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Don't be a snarf. That being said, it is horrifying the reaction to that, and that Trigon basically boils this little girl from the inside out Raven steps in, absorbs the pain, saves the little girl's life, and then Trigon's like, yeah, but guess what? Still gonna vaporize her. Yep. Just as a lesson to everyone, and I think especially as an extra lesson to Raven. But yeah, no, Trigon's super piece of shit. Fuck that guy. It, I, I feel like it really does establish what a jerk he is. Mm-hmm. When the Titans first show up on this planet, I was really hoping it would be like they would lead some kind of resistance against Trigon. Mm. Because this is the first that you see that Trigon is anything other than... Yes, he is still portrayed as super powerful and godlike and shit. But somehow, seeing him trying to run a planet rather than just eat it mm-hmm. makes him seem fallible. Not not that he's infallible, but like, you know, he could be beaten. The fact that he's worried about losing his tightly grip control of this planet mean, makes it seem like that's something that could happen. And I would have maybe liked to have seen more of the Titans working to like empower the natives of the planet and help throw it over. I, I, I had a thing where I was like, oh, is this the story that we're going to see? Mm. And it, it wasn't. Mm-mm. But I still thought a pretty good story. Yeah. I feel bad for um, planet Cynthia. Oh, is it? Was that the name of the planet that he death starred? Yeah, yeah. Although them too, like, I mean, I don't want a victim blame here, but I, I'm proud of them for standing up to Trigon. But maybe phrase things a little bit more diplomatically. Don't demand that Trigon do a bunch of shit if you've seen what he's done to the million, million other planets in your system. I can only imagine they hadn't, because otherwise, yeah. One would hope, like... and I don't want to talk shit about them. They have paid the ultimate price yeah yeah what'd you think about fang i thought fang was awesome i did too i was kind of annoyed to see him get beaten yeah i although after he ate those guards you kind of oh what are you gonna you can't blame yeah no i'm not not blaming fang i'm I'm just saying space marmaduke's gotta do we had a a movie at work the other day that was (laughs) the new warren Beatty movie where he plays howard hughes in his late years in life. I forgot what it's called. Hmm. I had never heard of it before. Oh, it's called Rules Do Not Apply. Wow, I didn't know he was still making movies. He's, I didn't he's either. Like super duper old? I didn't see the movie, but I'm going to say yes, he is super duper old. But this movie, I had never heard of it, and it didn't do very well. And I think part of the reason is I was very disappointed because when I first heard it said, I thought it was a movie where Warren Beatty played Howard Huge. And I would much rather see that movie. Oh, <laughs> the giant dog from the Parade Magazine yeah, comic yeah, it, strip. <laughs> it took me a minute, but I, I caught up with you there. I'll be like, finally, somebody's trying to catch it on the success of Marmaduke. <laughs> Hour and a half of Warren Beatty doing Who's Walking Who jokes. Mm-hmm. I would love that movie. Yeah, you know what? That joke's funny until somebody says that to you when, <laughs> when you're, you're walking, walking your dog. dog. <laughs> it's still funny to me mm. when somebody says it to you when you're walking yeah. your dog. It happened once, but... <laughs> It's like, oh, come on, man. Corey, yeah. to be fair, who was walking who? He was pulling really hard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, Fang was pretty rad. Question. So there's a scene in which it's the one where where Robin's like, everybody attack, and then they all get knocked out. (laughs) Yeah. Was that, did Fang just bark them all into unconsciousness, or was that like a zap from off panel from Trigon? 
it was kind of unclear. I, I think to a certain extent, it's kind of irrelevant. The important thing is Robin makes a big rallying speech that's like, you won't defeat us this time. We weren't prepared last time. And we didn't really know what we were fighting for. This time we're fighting for a planet Earth. And either the dog barks real loud or Trigon just backhands them casually. But either way, it is a one panel fight. Yep. They all just boop. And then they get locked up and put in prison goes very poorly i like to think that space marmaduke has like this awesome bark power where he can just i feel like if that was the case then beast boy wouldn't have been able to take him out well the dog was not maybe he only knock out barks on command or something you know he's just a space dog but he's not just a space dog okay. he thinks he's people <laughs> <laughs> Look at him eating palace guards. He thinks he's people. Oh, man. Space Marmaduke! They're supposed to be the best palace dogs. Yeah. Don't need a lot of exercise. (laughs) Like to sit on the couch and watch TV with you. Yeah, I've I've heard good things about giant space Marmadukes. Yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Hypoallergenic. What did you think? We, We finally learned more about Arella, Raven's mom, and her backstory. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly, it's like nine-tenths just a ripoff of Rosemary's Baby. Ah, yeah. But there are some things that don't really add up about it. Hmm. Like, and I mean that in addition to she joined a cult and married Satan and then things went awry. Yeah, weird. Weird. I think in addition to that, after things go wrong, and I did want to get into this a little bit, super uncomfortable the way it was portrayed. So... They get married. Mm-hmm. Like, he, she takes part in the ceremony to summon him. Mm-hmm. He shows up. At, looks like a super handsome dude. Mm-hmm. They get married. They're in love. They spend, like, a day or two together. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I'm Trigon, and I'm super evil. Yeah. And he starts, like, just being a real piece of shit. Yep. And it is very, very strongly implied rapes her. Super uncomfortable portrayal. And I feel like this is me reading into it somewhat. I don't feel like you would, they would have been able to even imply as heavily as they did that that had happened if they hadn't first established that initially they had consensual sex when they were first married. That's really fucked up. I feel like that in some way to them mitigated it enough that they could put it in the comic book. Hmm. And it really bothered me. It does certainly show what a what a creepo he is. And but it's interesting you mentioned that panel too because it is the raciest one out of everything that that we've had to date in terms of actually showing two like naked people. Oh, when they're together. first getting together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it, it it's when they're showing them just like having sex that is like mm-hmm. pretty much they're like, they're really oh. close to just showing them having sex. Yeah. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, and she's talking about how in love she was with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then it goes bad, super, super bad. Yeah, super and fast. I. The thing is, I don't think they needed to do that. We've already seen him murder a little girl. We know that Trigon's a bad guy. I think that was to drive it home more, and they didn't need to do it. And like I said, I'm really uncomfortable with the fact that, the fact that it took place within the context of marriage, I think was presented as a mitigating factor. Yeah, that's um, gross. Not necessarily in the way it's it like explicitly presents it as a mitigating factor. But I think the fact that they in- were able to include it in a comic book that was aimed at younger people and have the comics code stamp on the cover of it 
Mm. Yeah, it is fucked up. Yeah, gross. Yeah. Anyway, somehow she's bouncing around. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a baby. It's part the devil. This isn't great. Um. Oh, no. And then a I'll weird... take a bunch of sleeping pills. Oh, did she do that? I yeah. missed that. Yeah, she's trying to kill herself. Oh, jeez. And, the, and, the, and the, that's when the, the Azerathians, like, open up a portal and, like, are like, hey, you want to hang? Yeah, she was like, I got really into pills, and then I went to this alleyway to just die. Oh, and, shit. And then that's when that's when the Azerath dude was like, hey, <laughs> if I got the deal for you. <laughs> you want to come here and never leave? And also, but also, no fighting. Ever. Ever. Ever, <laughs> ever. Forever, ever. <laughs> Forever, ever. <laughs> so... I know they're in Azeroth, and they've got, like, all these mystical powers. Mm-hmm. How do you think they found her? Like, are they just keeping an eye on all kinds of shit? Do they just pop into alleyways randomly? That was the thing that I was just like, this is dumb. Do you think having a devil baby in you, like, maybe puts, like, a little uh, red flag? That, that, must, that, that must be it. Cause I would like, imagine. We got so. enough of these things going around. <laughs> we gotta nip this one in the bud. More devil babies. Ah, See if we can raise them. Although I thought maybe Raise it was presented right. like they were surprised that Raven was, like, kind of a problem child. Because she came out normal and cute baby. And... Yeah, she has a lovely child. Lovely yet frightening, for she avoided priests. More comfortable in meditation than prayer. I guess I'm frightening. I'm more comfortable in meditation than prayer. Uh, Granted, I don't do a ton of either. Yes, I was going to say, really? <laughs> I've meditated. Oh, yeah? You know, you mm. ever meditate? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How much praying do you do? Uh, there's been a few times where, like, maybe when I was a kid and I really wanted this remote-controlled car. <laughs> I did ask God for that. Really? Did you get it? Yep. Oh, shit! I haven't turned all, all mixed up on this religion thing. Yeah. Oh. All right. Carry on. That was it. Oh. All right. Well, still, that's enough. Good job. Thanks. I guess I'm frightening, because mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable in meditation than prayer. <laughs> but here's the other thing about Azeroth. Like, yeah, I, I I was just rereading it, and you're right. That was context that I created for myself, that they didn't know that she was... It's never said that they didn't know that she was Trigon's baby. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing about Azeroth that does bother me, though. I think when we'd seen it beforehand, it was at least implied that Arella was pretty much running the place, Right. Like, there was a council, too, but wasn't she a high priestess? She seemed important. I thought she was kind of the head honcho, and also, I thought that all the other Azerathians were female. Did I make that up? Or, I mean, they were always shrouded in hoods. But I had really gotten the impression that it was a place that was all ladies. I don't recall. Okay. I'm going to look into that. But clearly, a dude shows up, who I don't think we've ever seen before, and... He's just like, we don't know, I'm an old white man with a beard. Clearly, I'm the wizard in charge of this place. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what we're doing. Uh, fair enough. Mm. But that does spark, there, there's a pretty decent debate that goes on between Starfire and Wonder Girl about what they should do with the pacifists. <laughs> Starfires, <laughs> we will make them do whatever we want. Yeah, let Starfire explicitly says, we have power. We can make them do whatever we want. Then she's like, and then she just starts blasting shit. The rest of the Titans are like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, most of the rest of the Titans are like, whoa, whoa. I think Wally's kind of in her corner at that point. Yeah. And then Wonder Girl is like, no, 
they can do this. We'll, we'll figure out some other way. But there, there's kind of an interesting debate between them. And Wonder Girl comes out of this issue looking like a really smart, really strong, really balanced character. Like, she definitely has a warrior streak to her, but doesn't relish battle, but is very calm about it. And she seems like a really good leader, which is not something we've seen a ton of from Wonder Girl before, especially going back to the old Teen Titans stuff where she was often portrayed as just kind of a, a party girl, a teeny bopper. And I actually really like this portrayal of Wonder Girl. And I think it's really some really nice character building with her and Starfire and setting them up as kind of playing them off of each other and helping establish both of their personalities that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she had a good speech, too, where everybody was all bummed out, and they are like, oh, this guy's totally kicked our asses, like, we're not good enough to do anything, and she's like, look, guys, it's totally fine if you get beaten by somebody stronger. Like, you just, let's get our shit together, and yeah, we'll just we'll need a new plan. we'll do and better. They did. Yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. There was a scene, when they first get to what I'm calling the MC Escherverse, where Arella leads them through this portal way so that they can go to Trigon's dimension. And they walk on all these crazy stairs. A few things happen in that panel that are really funny to me. One is somebody says something about the stairs and Cyborg says, stairs my butt. Mm -hmm. I like that he swears by his butt the way that Kid Flash swears by his sneakers. Mm -hmm. They each have their defining (laughs) characteristic. And I really like that. I giggled Um, at that as well. The other thing is, if you're reading along, on page 14, when they are first in the MC Escherverse, everybody is very disoriented and is kind of looking off in different directions. But it kind of looks to me like they're all trying to avoid looking at Raven's mom's butt. Because <laughs> it is really prominently drawn, and it's her cape is flowing off to the side, and it's kind of like... It's not bad. Yeah. She has a very nice <laughs> butt, but all of the other Titans are, like, looking off in different directions. Um, um, uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, I'm yeah. gonna look over here so that they don't stare at her butt, which is nice of them. hmm Yep. So, yeah. There's that. That cracked me up, and the fact that, uh, that Cyborg swears an oath by his butt at that point was really fun. And it's also, particularly, it says... Stares my butt. These things are moving. Mm-hmm. Do you think he does that whenever he goes to the mall and there's an escalator? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no buts about it. <sighs> Corey, that was terrible. Yeah. Well, shit. That does it for this year. <laughs> Maybe 2018 will be a good year. Sorry. You ruined it, Corey. Jeez. It's a nice year we had going. <laughs> yeah, well. That's okay. Not entirely your fault. I know you're not. Were you surprised that Raven's mom sealed herself in the dimension to lock herself in eternal combat with Trigon at the end? Yeah, I guess. I I figured she was probably going to sacrifice herself in some way, but I honestly didn't see that coming. Mm -hmm. And that she goes from being someone who has sworn to never fight to now being locked into always having to fight. I thought was pretty poignant. Quite a sacrifice. It really was. And uh, yeah, just overall, just wanted to say I, I thought... They had paid some lip service in the previous issue to the Titans working together and displaying teamwork, Mm -hmm. but their teamwork was really only portrayed in that, oh, we'll all punch them at the same time when they were fighting Goron. Mm -hmm. This time they, they use really good teamwork and Robin comes up with a plan that really does utilize all their powers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just said utilize, not on a resume. Hey, good job. Weird. Yeah. 
that really does use all of their powers. And it's a really good plan, and it works really well. And as they're doing that, yeah, Beast Boy turns into a Triceratops and fights Fang, mm -hmm. which had previously at least scared Kid Flash more than Trigon scared him. Mm -hmm. I Really, they just, they all did a great job. And as I said, I found overall the issue and the ending very satisfying. Do you remember what Cycle 12 is? Okay, I think... I tried to look that up, and I couldn't find any references. I was assuming it was something like WD-40. Oh, I thought like, it was just like an old dog food brand. Because he's like, what do you mean that thing? What do you, Cycle 12? Yeah, what does he eat? Cycle 12? Maybe it's like a car thing. Maybe it's a car thing. Maybe it's a. Maybe it's just 12 motorcycles. Well, I just feed him 12 motorcycles <laughs> what, do you, what does he eat? 12 motorcycles? Ha! <laughs> Zing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that might uh, be the one that takes us into the bow zone. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, so overall, I really liked the issue. I think I liked it maybe a little bit better than you did. You find I, it a little bit too wordy? It was. There was a, a lot of uh, narration. That, yeah. You know, maybe not all of it was needed, but, but overall, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was an engrossing read from start to finish. Yes. I liked it. Very good. But you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> Go to your local library and... Ask them to get you a copy of New Teen Titans number six. Okay, they probably won't do that, but if you go to your library and ask them to order the first collection of the New Teen Titans, uh, I bet they will. And in general, just go to your library. They're so accommodating, and libraries are great, and librarians are awesome. And so, yeah. Enjoy libraries! <laughs> This is the weirdest, like, impromptu PSA. I, I, libraries came up. Drugs are bad. Libraries good. So true. Mm. Depends on the drug. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> we have recorded, and uh, it will be coming out soon, the first patron-only episode, and it is one of the Teen Titans Don't Do Drugs issues from 1983, and it was really fun to record, and if you <laughs> want to find out whether or not you should do drugs, you should tune in. Uh, we're going to do, there's two other ones that came out that year. We're going to hit those also for patron-only episodes. So keep checking the, the Patreon site. It's uh, patreon.com backslash ttwasteland, and we'll have that up very soon, as soon as I finish editing. Anyway, Corey, you want to sing us into the minutia? Sure. Um, uh, I can't come up with any new, like, one-word melodies. You can add more words. Nah. <laughs> okay, then here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make you do this one, though. Okay. Okay. But after that, I have a solution. Oh, that's probably not great. Um, Manusha! That was beautiful, Corey. Thank you. You know what? I'm going to take back that solution. Oh. I want to... No. A friend of the show, Rick Hansen, actually recorded a Manusha ditty thing. Thanks, um, Rick. You're yeah. awesome. He's asked us to put music to it. I don't actually know how to do that, but uh, oh, I know uh, how to do that. Okay, well, maybe we can. Maybe you can work on that. Uh, but he sent me a little recording of it, and we'll put that in for the minutia part. So you're off the hook, Corey. Thanks, Rick. I went back and forth because I really enjoyed putting you on the hook. Yeah, and and it's for people that don't know me, I am painfully, horribly uncomfortable singing anything because I'm not good at it. Uh, that's why I always so much fun, and I think you did a good job. Thanks. Anyway. <laughs> What do you want to start with? Let's let's go right to the bozone. Okay, taking it to the bozone. I gotta say, we had a bozo in this issue. I was so happy to see it. Yep, me too. Yeah, uh, it's Kid Flash. 
Mm-hmm. And it's when he's been asked to do some reconnaissance. Uh, they've just arrived in the dimension. They're going to try to find Trigon. And he says... He says, Pal, if I see that big red bozo, believe me, you'll know. <laughs> yes, he does. So, we got a bozo spotting. And... Well, it's not exactly Zingers. There was some tremendous old man talk in this issue. Because <laughs> there was also, like, in addition to, that's one of the things that cracks me up about continued use of the word bozo, is I can't imagine anybody who isn't 90 saying it. I make a, a personal effort to use that, that word. I'm trying to incorporate it into, yeah. into my everyday It's very satisfying, actually. Have you called anybody a bozo? Oh, not to their face. No, that would be. Can you imagine? Hey, bozo. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay, me too. But there is also a point in which Cyborg makes a reference to, uh, oh, maybe you forgot about that when you get mixed up in all this cosmic hoo-ha. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. It is a it is a good one, but it also sounded, it, okay, it was funny for me to me for two reasons. <laughs> one of which is that that sounds very much like something a very old man would say. Mm-hmm. The only situation I can imagine somebody using the word hoo-ha when they are not a very old man is somebody making a reference to their vagina. Oh. <laughs> and so I was thinking, cosmic hoo-ha? Mm. Oh, like the one that Dormammu comes through sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> like a giant space vagina? Right. Yeah. So not a Carlos Castaneda book. Giant space vagina? Yeah. I think it translate. Okay. They translated it slightly different, but I think originally it yeah, was, yeah. It was Cosmic Hoo-Ha. <laughs> Cosmic Hoo-Ha. Yeah. So, in the Bozone, I, I had, my mine was Big Red Bozo, obviously. Yeah, I had that too, and the runner-up was it getting more back to old man territory again when Cyborg refers to Robin as um, short pants. Yeah, I like that too. And also there is a nice moment when Trigon just has his one panel fight with the Titans before they stumble across the teamwork they need to defeat him, where he just says, fools, Mm. and just whap. I'm a sucker for fools. So, sartorially speaking, what did you want to touch on? Trigon's minion guard guys have these really wacky get-ups where they have what appear to be super long like leather leg warmers that go from the ankle up to the upper thigh uh-huh and then like armor and then like viking hats and <laughs> it's just a really fucking weird look maybe do you think that that was to differentiate them from goron who just had the fur right over the crotch so it's like okay you guys have fur everywhere but the crotch because goron outranks you no no, no. i don't either You're, it was just a thought I think they're like those like compression things that athletic people put on. Their oh, arms. you think because maybe because Trigon keeps breaking their legs? <laughs> yeah, he's just such a dick. They're like, oh, put on your compression leggings. Yep, and your speedos. All right, I did specifically want to comment on their hats too, which I think I brought up earlier. But they're these Viking hats, but they have an extra set of horns on them, which I think is as yeah. paying homage to Trigon to Punchy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, specifically, I think they are trying to, he's trying to make them look more like his illegitimate son, Punchy, the Hawaiian Punch Mm. spokesperson. Yep. But I thought that was a nice touch with the hats, with the guard design, and overall, very well thought out Mm -hmm. minion uniforms. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. pretty good. So that was your choice as well? That was my choice, yes. What was your favorite sound effect? I had two. The one that I actually liked best sound effect-wise, I just feel gross about using because it's the one when Trigon vaporizes the little girl. And what noise does it make? Foosh. Foosh. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's very, it's like this. You can just almost imagine this 
Like the flame shooting out of something noise? Yeah, I went for the classic. It, it is, once again, I feel like we're getting a lot of mileage out of this panel, but it's the one panel Smackdown panel, and it's just blammo. And I'm like, that's a classic sound oh, effect. Oh, it was and a good blammo. That's what takes out all seven of these superheroes in a second. Which also may indicate it's not a dog barking, because that's generally not a. <laughs> I don't know what space giant space dogs yeah. sound like. I don't, yeah. Could be that Space Marmaduke or potentially Space Howard Huge makes, uh, <laughs> says, Blammo! Blammo! <laughs> oh, shit, maybe tough, so. Tough to tell. Did you have another sound effect you wanted to talk about? I, d- I did, and it also comes from, from Space Marmaduke slash Howard Huge. Is it Crunch? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's like, if he was a southern dog, <laughs> he would growl. <laughs> That's right. The word growl is spelled with an A. Yeah. Growl. And a bunch of L's. But, uh, <laughs> like, I'm a giant space dog from Nolens. <laughs> Just growling at Powerful warm here. <laughs> Don't be scared. Growl. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is pretty good. I noticed that one as well. All right. And apologies to anybody listening from New Orleans. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I don't know what your accent sounds like, and I'm getting it very wrong. That's usually my forte. Well, I'm going from impressions that I've heard (laughs) of uh, Scott Bakula doing a New Orleans accent. Oh. So it's like three removed. Okay. Uh, I understand he says growl a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, I haven't seen CSI New Orleans. Uh, Meet you and, in a growler. <laughs> yeah, but I understand that it is mostly him saying the word growl. Mm-hmm. Y'all. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> so, yep. what was your favorite panel? Oh, boy. The artwork in here, like I said, was, was for the most part quite enjoyable, quite good. Yeah. It's a toss-up for me. It is kind of for me, too. What, um, why don't you give your first one that, that it's a toss My first one is on page 17, and it's the aforementioned blammo when all of the titans are knocked into the air in silhouette form, and the giant fang, that's the mm-hmm. Marmaduke's face, is like in the corner, and uh, it's just graphically really interesting, and also just gives the impression that they got housed like so bad. Yeah, no, that that is really well done. I liked that, too. It wasn't one of my top two. Uh, one of them was... We've talked about this before, but when they first get to the M.C. Escherverse, it's just really beautifully drawn. And it's like a really trippy looking place where there are these stairs. I'm sorry. Escalators. Sorry, Cyborg. Moving everywhere and they're all looking super disoriented. And there's Raven's mom's butt, which is very nice. But it's just a beautifully drawn panel and I really liked that a lot. And like really trippy cosmic looking stuff. I don't know why, but the phrase Raven's mom's butt is just kind of cracking me up but fair enough um that was that was my other favorite one that was your other yep. favorite page 14 i called it um steps my butt or steps. <laughs> yeah my other favorite was page seven and it's the f- first group shot of the titans in the issue and they've just oh. gotten their ass kicked by trigon and they're all just kind of hanging out on top of or near this giant pile of rubble it's That's just really a really nicely drawn group shot they're all kind of looking up like they're on an album cover and there's something, like, they're all standing on the rubble, and there's something I actually really like about the way that Starfire is just kind of sitting on a piece of rubble that's, like, stacked up on top. It's just like, she's looking super casual, while the rest of them are all trying very hard to look noble. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. Um, and that's before she starts flying around saying, we can do whatever we want. Yep. Man, what is with people with orange skin? 
taking liberties with their power. We'll find out, I guess. Yeah. All right. So, every issue has an Aqualad, the greatest of Teen Titans. But every issue also has a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. In this issue, who is your Aqualad? You know, this was super tough because picking either category uh, was hard for me here because all of the Titans worked so well as a team yes. like better to date i think as you mentioned than we've we've ever seen them yeah do. yeah the the plan that they come up with or that robin specifically has them do where he channel has starfire channel her powers through and be amplified by cyborg and wonder girl uses her lasso to drain a little bit of his might away while kid flash spins around and ru- creates a dimensional rupture I'm not describing it great, but it really does drive home. It seems like a very well-thought-out plan, and the fact that Robin is in charge of when they're doing it and the timing and orchestrating it. They do a really good job. They do, and so that's what made it difficult for me to choose Robin, is this issue's speedy. We're going Aqualad first. I screwed up. Yes, you did. Okay. But let's go with it. Okay, so Robin was this issue speedy for you? <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay, here's the thing. He was mine, too. And it was a difficult choice. And it's for a very specific reason. What was, what your, was yours? My, my technicality that he, he got dinged for was getting everybody to charge and getting everybody knocked out. The first time. Okay. Yeah. Mine was... He didn't use Beast Boy effectively. And in, in, in this issue, he actually does a pretty good job for the most part. He just is like, Beast Boy... You turn into a tri- you take care of that dog that we're all afraid of because that would totally fuck up their plan. Mm-hmm. But he also I think that's because he couldn't f- he can never figure out a way to use Beast Boy's power. We saw it again last issue mm-hmm. where he was like, "Everybody, you attack him, you attack him, you attack him." Beast Boy's like, "I can help. What can I do?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You just go stand over there and stay out of the way." Yeah. I think that's kind of his approach to Beast Boy, but in this issue, we see how powerful Beast Boy can be and how brave he is. And he, yeah, turns into a Triceratops and fights this being that they had all been terrified of. Knocks him out. Knocks him right out. And so I think for generally failing to utilize Beast... I'm doing it again. I'm using utilize. It's a good word. I told you. (sighs) Man, do I get the job? You are hired. Ha! For properly, for generally failing to properly utilize Beast Boy's talents, I am having Robin be this issue speedy. So, back to the original question. Mm-mm. Who's this issue's Aqualad? This one, also tough. Everybody yeah. acquitted themselves quite well. However, this whole thing wouldn't have worked if Flasher hadn't been able to spin himself faster than he's ever spun before. To open that dimensional rift to throw uh, Trigon into. So I, 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 I agree. I think she does a good. He he does a very good job, and I think that's a solid choice. I went with Beast Boy. Really, he turns into a Triceratops and fights giant space Marmaduke <laughs> by himself when all of the other Titans were afraid of that. He was dude. very brave. He was very brave and very effective. Mm-hmm. He manages to do it. He pulls it off, and everybody kind of seemed to have forgotten that he was doing it. I know. Like, at the end when they beat Trigon, he's like, hey, I just finally beat up that giant space dog that tried to eat everybody. He uh, His follow-through was somewhat lacking, though, because do you remember how that, that scene ends? He's like, I I just hope whenever he wakes up, people are cool. Like, whoever, whoever his keepers are, are able to do a good job. Because when he wakes up, he's going to fucking eat everybody. Yeah, probably the whole planet. Yeah. But, I mean, that dog's head is as 
big as Beast Boy is tall. Yeah. That's a big dog. It's a very big dog, Corey. Very big. And you know what? Biggest we got. He thinks he's people. (laughs) It's adorable. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. But, yeah, that's why this issue, uh, Beast Boy, is my Aqualad. Which, weird to say. I I think he may have been at one point before, but still. Mm. Generally, tends to fall more in the speedy category, but he's really coming into his own. Well, that's good. This issue was, I think, the best I've liked Beast Boy, too. Shit, is that it? We have a show and tell. We do have a show and tell. Or do we? We do. Okay. What was your show and tell? My show and tell was on page 14, and it's, again, back in the the, uh, Buttstaps Escherverse. Uh-huh. And it's it's Robin saying, and yet, we can somehow breathe here. Yeah. I I thought that was an interesting kind of throwaway line, too. It's like we're in space, but we can breathe here. They've been, like, I feel like that was the case the whole time they were on Azeroth, which is, like, I think I've brought up, I've definitely brought it up in the synopsises before, I don't know if we've actually discussed it. Azeroth is a prog rock album cover. Sure. But Tamarand, a different prog rock album cover. Mm. I think the way it breaks down to me is that Tamarand is a Yes album cover and uh, Azeroth is an Asia album cover. (laughs) But they're both by the same artist. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. I think it's Roger Dean. I might be getting that wrong, but I think that's the guy who drew all those album covers. But I think it's interesting that the the two uh, the two Titans are from different. Some work too. He did a Molly Hatchet album cover. Yeah, but those none of them look like they're. I think maybe Trigon's Dimension is a Molly Hatchet album cover. Maybe so. Okay, <laughs> but uh, neither one of them. Uh, we weren't talking about that. <laughs> Sorry. You and your Molly Hatchet album cover. No, it's more of a Boris Vallejo thing. I just try and work him into any, any any conversation about Bob uh, Rock album I, I like, covers. I like our, it's what I do. Boris Vallejo. That was him, not Frazetta? Uh, the Molly Hatchet album was yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. Well, he did a good job. Yeah. Frazetta's great, too. Yeah. You do any album covers? I don't know. We I should look that did. up. I'm sure he did. I'm sure, too. Um... <laughs> We need to watch that Fire and Ice movie. We really need to watch that Fire and Ice movie. I keep seeing clips of Fire and Ice. Looks uh, awesome. Ralph Bakshi and Frank Frazetta. And Tour de Force. Whew. Looking forward to it. I hope it's great because it seems like it's probably going to be great. Better than an Asia album cover. Certainly better than The Crow, the last thing that this... Oh, <laughs> so bad. You took the bullet for the team on that one, oh, my friend. Oh, man. Anyway, my show and tell <laughs> was at the end of the issue, and it was... Arella, she's headed towards that dimensional doorway. Oh. When she was headed towards the dimensional doorway. <laughs> Which, yeah, then she went through it and stuff. But it, it was that instead of just showing her, they did show her going to it, but they also showed a reaction shot of Wonder Girl saying, look, that's what she's doing over there. Mm-hmm. And that that's that was a, a pretty blatant show and tell. Classic moment. show and tell. I, I will say we, Wolfman has been getting better about them. I, I think the issue that had the most of them was the preview issue, uh, DC Presents number 26. And since then, he's been getting better about it, which, mm-hmm. nice work. Credit where it's due. And also, in general, as I said, really enjoyed this issue. Good stuff. Lots of fun. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners, Corey? Thank you. Very concise. I echo Corey's thanks of you. <laughs> in addition, if you would like to get in touch with us and say you're welcome, you can do so <laughs> at... TTWasteland at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. 
you you can find us on the Facebook. We're all up in the internets on iTunes and Stitcher. If you would like to leave us a review on either of those platforms, I would really appreciate it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Wasteland, And I will get that up sometime this week. That, that is my promise. And then you can find out whether you should do drugs or not. Otherwise, mm. yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, us everyone. Sorry I ruined it already. Yeah. Well, maybe 2008 will 2008? <laughs> oh, no. be good. <laughs> Back in the time machine. Oh, dear. Maybe 2018 will be good. Um, I'm sorry Corey ruined this year for everyone with his thoughtless joke. about. Was it about butts? Yeah. Yeah, I said no butts about it. Oh, God. Well, maybe 2019. You did it again, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And they knew it. Wonder Woman in Old Gold. A native guide plays his flashlight over a life-size golden statue and talks to a group of tourists. The borrower joins the group, deep in a burial tomb in Egypt. And when Amenhotep died... What a golden opportunity. I've always liked Lizard. Persnatch, Persnatch. My IOU, madam... Sneak off, sneak off. Thought bubble. You're working on borrowed time, my friend. Turn to gold, turn to gold. I knew he couldn't resist anything gold. Don't mind helping myself to some royal provisions. Golden hostess Twinkie Cakes. I love golden sponge cake and creamed filling. And... (laughs) Borrower, I'm gonna seal you tighter than a tomb. Might as well enjoy your snack, borrower. It's the last bit of gold you'll be seeing for a while. I guess his mummy should have taught him not to borrow. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Twinkies cakes. That was the dumbest one yet. That was awful. It doesn't make any sense. Why did she turn to gold? So he would want to steal her. Yeah, but he doesn't try to steal her, and he was just looking at a statue that was made of gold. She's just holding some Twinkies. Doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's fucking bullshit. I do like that his name is The Borrower, though. Yeah, well, so... That makes me think that he should be a tiny man who lives in the walls. Oh, that's a delightful story. Hmm. You had another question? Why are they? Oh, well, so... Why are they giving him such a hard time? If he's just borrowing things, he's maybe going to return them. I don't think he's going to return them. Oh. He says he says he left an IOU. I don't know. He's a real shit. Yeah, fuck that guy. All right, lock him up. <laughs>